2: This is the John Fuglesang Podcast. Donald Trump had a very bad day. The Republican Party had a very good day. Really curious to know what your thinking was about today's hearings. Now, here's my take. A smart Donald Trump, work with me on this theoretical, a smart Donald Trump would bribe someone like Cassidy Hutchinson, to give false testimony. Here's a million bucks. Give some false testimony that I went crazy and lunged at the Secret Service agent driving the presidential limo, and he took my hand away, and I grabbed his neck. And we have videotape proving that never happened. So go ahead and testify to this. It'll make all the headlines for a day, and then we'll produce the proof that it didn't happen. And that one bit of scandal, that's what Donald does. He covers up crimes with scandals. So we talk about the scandals, not the crimes. They could disprove it, and that would discredit the entire investigation, right? Like O.J. and the gloves. let give us one little thing we can do to give us pictures to make us look innocent. That's what a smart Trump would do. But Donald Trump's not smart. Now, a smart Republican leadership, however, would object to these hearings. A smart Republican leadership would, would block having a committee like this in the Senate. They would throw endless fits in protest. smart Republican establishment would refuse to cooperate with subpoenas. They would act like they still defend Trump to keep the MAGA slobbering goobers in, in line. And then they'd let the Democrats destroy Trump for them, thereby letting Democrats destroy their Trump problem. Because, guys, the Republican Party is done with Trump. They never wanted him. They realized, like many other rich guys, from billionaires who like golf to Vladimir Putin, they could use this toady to billionaires. They could use this vulgar, burlesque racist from Queens. They could use this clown to help them get what they wanted. And that's what they did. They got more than they ever could have imagined from him. The rich people got incredible tax cuts they didn't need. They got three Supreme Court justices that... The Heritage Foundation picked, not Donald Trump. They played Donald Trump. They let Donald Trump insult them all, and they got everything they wanted and more from it. And now they are done. See, everyone's excited that Trump is done. I think a lot of Dems don't realize that the Democrats have just done Mitch McConnell's work for him. But let me explain, and I'll, I'll bring it around to this point. Today was the day we all got to know Cassidy Hutchinson. Top aide, To former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, she gave by far the most damning testimony we've seen in these hearings. Maybe the most damning testimony we've ever seen anyone ever give about the behavior of a president. She tied him directly to the attack. She provided what could be evidence if criminal charges are pursued by Merrick Garland, who, thoughts and prayers, let's hope he's been told about this. Two hours of testimony. This woman's 25 years old. She was 23 when all this happened. And honestly, my jaw is dropping at how many times I've heard media folks say the term jaw dropping. But it was very relevant. And we've been waiting to get new dirt. My God, we got it. This woman was a trusted aide to Mark Meadows. She was so close to the White House chief of staff. She was so close to all the inner workings of the Oval Office. She has a lot of perspective we haven't heard before, including closed door conversations. Also, just a coincidence, Cassidy Hutchinson is the name of the brave, intrepid teen babysitter in my upcoming series of young adult novels. Uh, Just sidebar there. So here's the deal. The big takeaway, Trump knew these goons were armed, and Trump wanted them to go to the Capitol. Here's Cassidy Hutchinson recounting Trump's reaction on that day in December 2020, the day that Bill Barr told him there was no evidence of a stolen election.
0: On December 1,
1: 2020, Attorney General Barr said in an interview that the Department of Justice had not found evidence of widespread election fraud sufficient to change the outcome of the election. Ms. Hutchinson, how did the President react to hearing
0: that news?
3: Around the time that I understand the AP article went live, I remember hearing noise coming from down the hallway, so I poked my head out of the office. And I saw the valet walking towards our office. He had said, get the chief down to the dining room. The president wants him. <laughs> so Mark went down to the dining room, and came back to the office a few minutes later. After Mark had returned, I left the office and went down to the dining room and I noticed that the door was propped open and the valet was inside the dining room changing the tablecloth off of the dining room table. He motioned for me to come in and then pointed towards the front of the room near the fireplace mantel and the TV where I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall and there was a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the Attorney General's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall, um, which was causing them to have to clean up. So I, I grabbed a towel and started wiping the ketchup off of the wall to help the valet out. Um, and he said something to the effect of, he's really ticked off about this. I, I would stay clear of him for right now. He, he's really, really ticked off about this right now.
2: Okay, now, she described multiple incidents of Donald Trump's rage. And keep in mind, don't confuse scandal with crimes. It's really easy to get caught up and catch up on the walls. That'll distract us from the actual crimes. But um, she talked about his unwillingness to call off the crowds, despite knowing some were armed. She testified that Meadows sought a pardon after the attack on the Capitol, and that then-White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, warned that Trump and aides could be charged with every crime imaginable if Trump were to join the protesters at the Capitol. And her, her testimony confirmed that on the evening of January 2nd, after her meeting with Giuliani and Meadows, I mean, Trump's meeting, she just happened to be there, Giuliani asked her, Cass, are you excited for the 6th? It's going to be a great day. You know what? Let's hear her explain it. Here's Cassidy Hutchison recounting comments made by Rudy Giuliani before January 6th.
3: As Mr. Giuliani and I were walking to his vehicles that evening, he looked at me and said something to the effect of, Cass, are you excited for the 6th? It's, it's going to be a great day. I remember looking at him and saying, Rudy, could you explain what's, what's happening on the 6th? Uh, he, he had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. It's going to be great. The president's going to be there. He's going to look powerful. He's, he's going to be with the members. He's going to be with the senators. Talk to the chief about it. Talk to the chief about it. He knows about it.
2: Okay, so she talked to the chief, Mark Meadows, about Giuliani's comment, only to get an even more ominous response.
3: After Mr. Giuliani had left the campus that evening, I went back up to our office and I found Mr. Meadows in his office on the couch. He was scrolling through his phone. I remember leaning against the doorway and saying, "I had an interesting conversation with Rudy, Mark. It sounds like we're going to go to the Capitol." he didn't look up from his phone and said something to the effect of there's a lot going on cass but i don't know things might get real real bad on january 6.
2: so they did as you guys well know and we learned that there were tons of warnings from top national security officials nsa robert o'brien called meadows on January 4th, two days before, to warn him about potential violence. Meadows met uh, with several people, uh, including Ornato, who is the deputy chief of staff, who talked about the potential of people bringing weapons to the Save America rally. They talked about knives, guns, tear gas, and spears. Former director of national intelligence John Ratcliffe, who was a numbingly obedient Trump stooge, was very, very upfront about worrying that Trump's claims of fraud could spiral out of control and potentially be dangerous, either for our democracy or for the Sixth. Trump knew his supporters had weapons. He knew some of them were wearing body armor when he directed them to march to the Capitol. That is the part of today's testimony that stands out the most. More than did he grab a secure a, a secret service around the neck. More than did he smash a lunch tray on a wall and there was ketchup smeared on the White House. No. Trump knew they had weapons when he directed them to march to the Capitol. And Ms. Hutchinson testified that Tony Ornato, again the deputy chief of staff and a Secret Service agent, recounted how, well, how Trump had lunged at his chief of security, Bobby Engel, while in the presidential limo when Engel refused to drive him to the Capitol. This is the part that's getting a little bit of controversy. Um, here it is. I'm going to play you the clip. This is the one that's gotten the most heat today, and it is the most shocking thing we've ever heard someone testify about a sitting president do. This is peak scarface behavior. Um, but again, remember, don't let the scandal overwhelm the crime. Here's Cassidy Hutchinson, A2, telling today's committee how a furious Trump reacted when his Secret Service detail would not allow him to go to the Capitol.
3: When I returned to the White House, I walked upstairs towards the Chief of Staff's office, and I noticed Mr. Renato lingering outside of the office. Once we had made eye contact, he quickly waved me to go into his office, which was just across the hall from mine. When I went in, he shut the door, and I noticed Bobby Angle, who is the head of Mr. Trump's security detail, sitting in a chair, just looking somewhat discombobulated and a little lost. Um, I, I looked at Tony, and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in the Beast? I said, no, Tony, I I just got back. What happened? Tony proceeded to tell me that when the President got in the Beast, he was under the impression from Mr. Meadows that the -the off-the-record movement to the Capitol was still possible and likely to happen, but that Bobby had more information. So once the President had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol, and when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not, we don't have the assets to do it, it's not secure, we're going back to the West Wing. The President had very strong, a very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The President said something to the effect of, I'm the effing President, take me up to the Capitol now which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engle grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engle. When Mr. Ornato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. And was Mr. Engel
0: in the room as Mr. Ornato told you this story? He was. Did Mr. Engel correct or disagree with any part of the
3: story for Mr. Ornato? Mr. Engel did not correct or disagree with any part of the story.
0: Did Mr. Engel or Mr. Ornato ever after that? Tell
1: you that what Mr. Ornato had just said was untrue?
3: Neither Mr. Ornato nor Mr. Engel told me ever that it was untrue.
2: Did any part of that make you nervous? I mean, just trying to figure out the logistics of it. Was Donald Trump sitting in the passenger side of the front seat of the limo? It's a great story. We can all imagine Trump being crazy and trying to choke a Secret Service agent. It's, it's shocking. But again, this is the sort of thing that scandal And Donald Trump is a master at creating scandals to make us be distracted from the crime. Was he in the back seat and he leaned forward? Or was he, for some reason, sitting in the front of the presidential limousine on the passenger side? That's the part I don't get. I'm not saying she's lying. She testified truthfully that she was told this. She didn't witness it. She was told this had happened in the limo. I think we need to hear from the man who told her, Tony Ornato. It's kind of weird the committee didn't subpoena him to testify in front of these cameras today, don't you think? Now, there's already controversy about this. NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander said a source close to the Secret Service said that both Bobby Engel, the lead agent, and the presidential limousine driver are prepared to testify under oath that neither man was assaulted and Trump never lunged for the steering wheel. ABC News as well had a source say the Secret Service will push back against any allegation of an assault against an agent or of Trump reaching for a steering wheel. But so far tonight, Secret Service is not denying it. The statement they put out said, US Secret Service has been cooperating with the select committee since its inception in spring 2021, and will continue to do so, including by responding on the record to the committee regarding new allegations surfaced in today's testimony. So (sighs) eyes on the prize guys. Now, let me just bring it really quickly. Two more characters we haven't mentioned yet. One is Pat Cipollone, White House counsel. He was warning that Trump shouldn't go to the Capitol because, in his words, we're going to get charged with every crime imaginable. And he was right. Here's Cassidy Hutchinson describing her conversation with the White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, where he adamantly warned against letting the Trump gang head to the Capitol building.
3: I saw Mr. Cipollone right before I walked out onto West Exec that morning. And. Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, please make sure we don't go up to the Capitol, Cassidy. Keep in touch with me. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement happen.
2: Okay. So, again, this shows the White House counsel was worried about criminal activity because they knew they would be on the hook for obstructing justice or defrauding the electoral count, a conspiracy to defraud the American people. Now... Again, Ms. Hutchinson used to work for Steve Scalise. She used to work for Ted Cruz. Then she decided to work for Donald Trump. So I would ask my Democratic friends to just please, please have a, take a step back from calling her a hero all day. No doubt she's brave to give this testimony, but she's worked for three of the most despicable people in our entire government. But she was close. Her office was within eyeshot of the Oval Office doors. So we're not going to know what's going to happen. This, this wasn't going to be another hearing until July. They made the snap decision yesterday to bring in Ms. Hutchinson and to keep her identity very closely guarded because they were afraid for security and knowing that all the suspense would make us all have outsized expectations. Here's another weird part, though. She was represented by a lawyer with a lot of deep ties to Trump and his inner circle. And then recently she fired that lawyer and got a new attorney who used to be chief of staff, to Jeff Sessions, who's also a terrible racist, but Trump fired him. So is that why she testified? Because she changed counsel and counsel advised her to do it? And why at the end of the hearings were they talking about witness tampering and how they may be bringing forth evidence of witness tampering? Did that have anything to do with Ms. Hutchinson? Did it have anything to do with why she fired her lawyer? I I, I walked away with this thing with a lot more questions than I hear on the major news media where people are just having these orgasmic throes of bliss over all this dirt and gossip we learned today. Let's not forget Michael Flynn. They asked if he believed the violence on January 6th was justified morally. He took the fifth. They asked if he believed the violence on January 6th was justified legally. He took the fifth. They asked if he believed in the peaceful transfer of power. He took the fifth. So... I have a lot of questions. How did this limousine wheel grabbing work? What witness did who try to tamper with? How could a general of the U.S. military not believe in a peaceful transfer of power? If Trump said, well, they can have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Who did he think they were there to hurt? He wanted his supporters to attack your capital with weapons. He knew he was inciting an armed insurrection. Finally, here's the thing that troubles me the most. And you can talk me down from a ledge over this. Joe Biden is 79 years old. In two years, when he runs for reelection, he will be 132. And (laughs) today, I think, might have been the day Ron DeSantis clinched the GOP nomination. I think that Joe Biden at 137 could beat Donald Trump. I don't think Joe Biden could beat Ron DeSantis. A lot can change. But Trump's... Flaming out, guys. This is the end of Trumpism right now. Trump decided to prove that he doesn't have tantrums by having 12 posts on Truth Social, calling her uh, a fake, calling it sick, calling it fraudulent. But I was looking up some quotes from uh, Jonathan Martin and Alexander Burns of the New York Times. Remember they had a, a Trump book out a few months ago, This Will Not Pass? Well, back then they were talking about how on January 6th, Mitch McConnell seemed almost buoyant. After the riot, saying Trump was pretty thoroughly discredited. McConnell was quoted as saying he put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. Couldn't have happened at a better time. The author said at the time that McConnell believed he would regain control of his party. And he said he was talking about, you know, dealing with the far right, saying we crush the sons of bitches. And that's what we're going to do in the primary in 22. He said, I feel exhilarated by the fact that Trump totally discredited himself. And then Mitch McConnell said. The Democrats are going to take care of the son of a bitch for us. Look, I don't think Trump's ever going to jail. And I find this stuff fascinating. It's deeply historical. We should be paying attention to it. But I'm going to repeat again. I'm a lot more worried about Ron DeSantis than I am about Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell has solidified his power. They use Trump. And they got everything they wanted. They got the Supreme Court, the Federalist Society wanted. They got a massive tax cut for rich people who didn't need a tax cut. And now they have turned him loose. Donald Trump's whole life is him only caring about himself and being used by more powerful men. Well, Trump is over. He will never be president again, guys. He's never coming back. It's not going to happen. This is the Talking Heads reunion. This is the sequel to Titanic. This is Texas' secession. This is two parallel lines ever touching. This is Sex in the City 3. This is never going to happen. Trump is done like disco. Today was a huge victory for the Republicans who want him gone. What did Mitch McConnell say? The Democrats are going to take care of the son of a bitch for us? Well, while the media is all talking about these incredible headlines and how Trump's going to be indicted, blah, blah, blah. What I saw was a Ted Cruz staffer testified to dick cheney's daughter and solved mitch mcconnell's trump problem today was a victory for the establishment gop they are celebrating a victory far greater than anything the democrats can hope for and the democrats are fine they did the right thing they had to do this they had to do it they have to show history we stood up someone has to be the adult in the room we have to show the future that we tried to hold them to account. And maybe Trump will be indicted, but who cares? Who, I don't care what happens to Trump. I care about who's running this country. I care about which more electable, seemingly more intelligent, more clever fascist gets the reins of government. And doughy mediocrity Ron DeSantis had a great day. Did today's hearings make Ron DeSantis our next president? We want to know what you think. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by the great Alison Gill of Muller, She Wrote, and the Daily Beans podcast. We're just getting warmed up. I'm dying to know your thoughts. This is SiriusXM.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. dot edu slash podcast.
2: Allison Gill, or A.G. if you're in the cool kids, uh, is a great broadcaster, a great patriot, a great advocate for the resistance. She began her first podcast, Muller, She Wrote, out of her kitchen in 2017. When the government investigated the podcast, Trump had her fired, even though she'd been working for them for over 11 years. She is now the host of The Daily Beans, a woman-owned and operated progressive news podcast that I cannot recommend highly enough. It's funny, it's smart, it's angry, and she is very dedicated to the separation of facts and theory. There are a few people I would rather talk to after hearings like this. Then Allison Gill, welcome back.
0: Wow, thank you so much for that introduction, and and may I just say before we start raging a little bit and mm. resisting even harder that uh, your your choice of music is always amazing, and I appreciate it.
2: Oh, thank you. And sometimes it's Chris, but when it's good, it's me. So thank you very much. <laughs> uh, um, you know, there's so much to unpack here with Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, even the name Cassidy Hutchinson—I think she sounds like the hero of a young adult novel, maybe a babysitter uh, who goes away for a summer and and um, has to rely on her own cunning and bravery. Chris, has a what's your nickname for her, Chris?
1: Oh, uh, after
2: today, I call her Putch Cassidy. Putch, very good, nice, nice Hitler uprising reference there. Um, what What were your initial takeaways of uh, this explosive? deeply fascinating testimony today
0: it was um it was what we call in the business all killer and no filler uh it went so fast and so quickly with just hit after hit um in comedy we call them applause breaks here we call them gasps um Hmm. where it was it was almost hard to keep up with all of the information that came out and i thought it was really you can tell that there is a uh a crime drama guy helping out with these hearings because we had moments of drama to go viral and palace intrigue. And then we had crimes. uh, And then we had some cliffhangers, too, that we're all going to be, you know, waiting for in the uh, subsequent hearings that happen. And the most interesting part about it is that this young woman is completely credible and calm. And I think even Uh, according to some reporting, stunned some current and could still like now Trump allies that were just, you know, absolutely taken aback by her credibility and her testimony and some of the things that she said today. So it was just there was a lot to take in today. I'm kind of exhausted after watching it, to be honest.
2: Yeah, me too. I was at the studio today at Sirius XM in between two pre-tape interviews and just broke into an abandoned studio to watch it. Uh, And it was just amazing to see, you know, at this point. Allison, I've been saying Donald Trump could eat a baby on live TV and it wouldn't change anybody's opinions of him. Um, Is there anything that could actually come out about Donald Trump that would change anyone's opinion with the caveat that we know plenty of Republicans think he's a horrible human being, but they've got to play dumb because they like his voting base?
0: Well, I think that there's a, a, a particular percentage of his base that's never going to change. Um, they're they're in that cult mentality. The more you tell them facts, the, the harder they dig in. That's just the psychology of it. Yeah. But I saw a lot of folks who don't pay attention to politics much, if at all, commenting today on social media uh, about how, you know, hey, I don't follow this much. But wow, I guess he ordered that they take the the metal detectors away and wanted to send armed guys, armed people to the Capitol and people died that day. Like, I think that there are a lot of people who haven't been paying attention that are now or will now pay attention.
2: I think you're right. I I was surprised that there were so many revelations, because a lot of the revelations we've seen have been shocking, but they're things that have already been reported. And when you consider just how many leaks came out of this White House, I mean, you know, this White House leaked constantly. And I think it was Trump, half the time, leaking the Maggie Haberman directly. Um, I think any time there was a story about how Ivanka and Jared were trying to be moderating influences, it was always Ivanka and Jared leaking. But there was so much we never heard of already. Like like that Mark Meadows and Giuliani were looking for pardons after January 6th. The fact mm-hmm. that Trump knew members of the crowd were armed but still wanted the metal detectors removed. I, we haven't heard anything like that. And, of course, the fury um, in this contested anecdote that the Secret Service agents wouldn't take him to the Capitol after his speech at the Ellipse and how he allegedly lunged at his chief of security and the wheel of the vehicle. It takes a lot to surprise me at this point, Alison. That surprised me.
0: Yeah, uh, myself included. I also didn't expect to hear <clears throat> Excuse me, the cliffhanger today that we heard about. She just sort of glossed over it that Rudy kept bringing up the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys in the White House in the Oval Office. Right. And, to, you know, yesterday, if you had asked me what what we should charge Trump with, I would have said obstructing an official proceeding. We don't have enough evidence for seditious conspiracy today. I think we might.
2: What about obstruction of Congress?
0: Uh, obstruction of Congress is a much lesser charge
2: than obstructing an official proceeding. But sure. Okay. Add it, okay. Throw it on
0: the
2: pile. <laughs> um, you know, there's already a lot of debate. I was talking in the opening round about the the claim that he lunged for the throat or the clavicle of a Secret Service agent. Um, Ms. Hutchinson was not present for this, but she said that when she was told this account, uh, that the officer in question was there and did not dispute it. There have already been conflicting reports of the Secret Service saying that they're going to push back on this to some journalists and the Secret Service putting out a statement where they say just rather cryptically, they've been cooperating every step of the way. Um, You know, my questions are like, would Donald Trump have been sitting in the passenger seat of the front of the limo to do this? I, I don't really understand the logistics of it. And the point I kept trying to come up with in the in the open was Donald Trump has this brilliant thing he does where he there'll be a crime but he'll get us all talking about a scandal and we'll ignore the crime in favor of the flashy scandal. Is this an example of that? Is it a danger to get bogged down in the minutia of how could this story have happened with the security agent? It's the most salacious thing and the news is going crazy over it. But at the end of the day, this is about trying to throw out an election.
0: Well, you know, it will be, I mean, that's the whole point. Uh, of, of MAGA world is to latch onto one minute insignificant and probably untrue detail and beat it into the ground so that nothing they'll, they'll do that, whether this was in the testimony or not, they would have found something else, I think. Yeah. But, um, you know, if it comes down to a, he said, she said, I believe Cassidy Hutchinson was told that story by Ornato. Now Absolutely. if Ornato was lying, that's on him. Um, and who has, reason to lie here he's still in the government he's still looking out for number one she's probably receiving death threats and blowing up her whole life and her entire career to make this testimony and uh, the rest of her testimony is well corroborated and very credible it's the department of justice that's concerned with the crimes and they aren't going to be distracted by the shiny objects so i'm not i'm not as worried about that but yes of course that's what Trump supporters do. That's what they will always do. That's part. That's in their propaganda bag of tricks, isn't it? Is to distract us with shiny objects.
2: Well, where do you stand on the Department of Justice? How how high is your confidence in Merrick Garland's uh, attention to detail with this matter? I mean, I I keep preaching patience to everyone. There were no leaks when he was prosecuting the Unabomber or the Oklahoma City bombing suspect. And there were full convictions. But um, I know a lot of people are very frustrated at the lack of indictments from his uh, department.
0: Yeah, well, let's like look at the timeline, right? I mean, let's just talk about Watergate for a second. Sure. The break in was in 72. Um, the hearings were in February to J- July, June of 73. The indictments came in March of 74. If we go on the same timeline, our indictments are going to come around March of next year. Uh, And this is 10 times more complex. And, you know, a lot of folks like to argue that we have more technology. It should go faster today. But technology actually bogs down investigations because you have to get every single email, text message, signal message, cloud. We have terabytes of data. All of it has to be provided to the defense. So if we're going by timelines, just strict timelines, we're looking at next year sometime. Yeah, Um, it might come sooner than that. But I do have faith in Matt Graves who is the person who's actually running the one six investigation out of the U.S., the D.C. U.S. attorney's office. He got there in November and he was the one who was able to fix and charge seditious conspiracy for Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. That's right. Which says to me, he's he's gutsy. He's not afraid to bring seditious conspiracy charges, which are historically loser charges. No one has won a seditious conspiracy case in like the last 100 years in this country. In fact, they've lost most of them and they were pretty, pretty good cases, too. So that they have they feel they have the case to bring those and that people have now pled guilty to seditious conspiracy. That's right. It's an old mob um, investigative tactic of working your way up the ladder. Jamie Raskin reiterated that today to Jake Chapper on CNN, having faith that the Department of Justice is doing that and that Matt Graves was able to get Garland to sign off on seditious conspiracy charges after Garland refused to do it early on with Mike Sherman. That's right. Is a, frankly a justice miracle. So I think we've got we have a Department of Justice and we have a U.S. attorney in Matt Graves who are willing to bring the hard charges in politically charged cases. Will they bring them in this case? We'll see. But I can't imagine they wouldn't be prosecuting or, or investigating or prosecuting. Uh, Donald Trump, especially after today,
2: what did you think of f- former General Michael Flynn, and again, this testimony was sort of like just the sprinkles on a the Sunday they gave us, um more or less coming out and saying that he, he he refused to 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 address whether or not he believed in having a peaceful transfer of power?
0: Yeah, and it wasn't even just that he refused to say that he He was saying that if I answer your question, it will incriminate me. exactly. Like, that's bonkers. Now, he's probably How do to unpack
2: that. How do you unpack that?
0: I can't. I, I frankly, I can't. And I don't understand why he's not being recalled by the military uh, to be court-martialed for these crimes. Yeah, uh, that is something that can happen, but he shouldn't be getting a retiree's uh, benefits. He shouldn't be getting veterans benefits. He's a traitor.
2: Every time he said fifth fifth i thought yeah that's the percentage of your pension you should be allowed to keep your fifth that's it um you know it, it is interesting uh when you look at these hearings how we keep hearing this word stunned from our republican friends stunned the word stunned was trending nationwide on twitter today stunned allison after family separation after injecting disinfectant who who's stunned by anything this man would do i mean is is anyone surprised by this i mean even on fox news martha mccallum is is defending him while acknowledging it's probably true who could be stunned at this point
0: yeah i like to say i'm shocked but not surprised um mainly because i i will never be surprised at the depths to which they will go but i am often shocked by the means, by like, but, but like your mind and my mind, we can't write this stuff because these kinds of evil things don't occur to us. And so it, it can shock us. But what I think is interesting is that I, I want to, at least for for myself, I want to say anybody who's wants to jump ship from the Trump train or whatever boat parade that I welcome you. Yeah. Because we, we do to. see a lot of, uh, no, F you, I told you so. You didn't listen to me when I said it earlier yeah. for the last five years. But I think it's very important that it's, it's hard to scream for people to change and then give them no room to do so. And so while I never would praise Liz Cheney or, you know, po- politically or Cassidy Hutchinson's past for her decisions, I'm certainly not going to block her from From joining the good side.
2: Um, You're exactly right about the I told you so, especially because there may be a lot of Republicans who went along with this overturn Roe v. Wade thing for the last few decades because they never thought they'd actually do it. I have to believe that there are uh, a number of conservative people in red states and blue states who are very uncomfortable with the thought of criminalizing. Abortion rights. Maybe they don't like abortion. Maybe they go to a church and their friends don't like it. But now that it's finally come to the point of criminalization, I, I've been waiting to ask your thoughts on the shock that was, again, shocked, but not surprised on Friday and what this might mean in terms of both people coming over uh, to this side and having maybe some buyer's remorse and, and also what it could mean politically for the upcoming election and the next few elections to come.
0: Well, we've been told historically and 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 well, not we've been told, but historically uh, the incumbent party loses the first midterm election. However, this year we've had an insurrection, not this year, but, you know, this yeah. particular term since the last election, we've had an insurrection. We've had the overturning of Roe, uh, along with a lot of other rights that have been gutted by this very uh, Christo fascist Supreme Court. Uh, and I think that that could actually make a, a very big difference um, as far as the elections are concerned, as as far as the I told you so. Yeah, we, we those of us that saw this coming in 2016, we saw it coming and a lot of people didn't. Um, and we should welcome them to vote uh, properly mm-hmm. this time <laughs> and not discourage that. Uh, but there is A lot of anger i had a really rough weekend i frankly was again not surprised but shocked that the the original alito draft that leaked is the one that made it into the final decision and again i think Mm -hmm. that that was the the purpose of leaking it in the first place was to
2: keep it as is yep have you noticed we haven't heard too much from john roberts office about finding the identity of the leaker i mean they knew from the beginning How unpopular this ruling would be historically and they tried to divert the narrative first instead of talking about criminalizing Roe, we spent a week talking about who could the leaker be then we spent a week talking about oh these people outside the judges homes and they tried to keep shifting the narrative some guy outside uh, Kavanaugh's home has an unloaded gun and calls the cops on himself and for a week we've got to talk about this assassination attempt it seems Mm -hmm. now they've got to really sit with it have you heard anything about the leaker of the draft it's disappeared
0: yeah no and i'm not sure that we will but speaking of jenny thomas did you see Wait. that she uh,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you see today that she when you know last week when she's like oh i'll testify to anything i'll come in and i'll testify i'm not afraid to testify and today she's decided not to testify what a shock com- i know i who, didn't see that coming uh, a mile away it's another one of those distraction things the things people talk about that never come to fruition uh but i do want to mention you know some some folks were were positing that the roe decision was a a distraction from the coup some people were positing that the this hearing was a distraction from roe yeah i just want to make sure that every everyone understands that the overturning of roe
2: is part of the coup yes yes getting rid of the separation of church and state is part of the coup and I I can't help but I'm going to keep on talking about this. We're talking about Trump when we should be talking about Mitch McConnell. Speaker Pelosi refers to this court as the Trump McConnell court. And I think a lot more people have to do that because Mitch McConnell, to me, gets a lot more credit for the court's makeup than Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell just handed him the Federalist Society's picks. But this has been building for a very long time, and I, I really felt today, Allison, that Today was a win for Mitch McConnell, who finally did what what the book The Shall Not Pass claimed he said a year ago. He got the Democrats to take care of Trump. And I think it was a win for Ron DeSantis, who now seems to have a very clear runway to taking off and achieving the GOP nomination in two years.
0: Yeah, well, it was going to be him or Trump, right? So I, um, <laughs> I, I'm a little... I'm very scared of Ron DeSantis because, you know, I've been saying as we've been watching these hearings unfold, as we've been hearing about the Department of Justice and their widening investigation into what happened to the coup when we heard about Julia Eastman sending an email, putting it in an email to Rudy Giuliani. Hey, am I? Is that pardon list still a thing? I'd like to get on that. And I'm like, thank God these 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 seditious conspiracists are dumb. Because next time they might not be. That's right. And that is why I'm concerned about Ron DeSantis and and why I keep saying, look, the Department of Justice can indict Trump a million times. It's not going to make Trumpism go away. It's not going to end the coup attempts. It's not it's an ongoing coup. It's going to continue whether Trump is here or not or in jail or dead. Yes, we definitely have to hold them criminally accountable in order to deter, because if we don't, it'll open the door wider. Absolutely. But if we do, the door might stay just as open as it is right now.
2: Allison Gill, it's always a great honor to have you join us. Thank you so much for all the great broadcasting you do. Everyone needs to subscribe to The Daily Beans. It is one of the smartest, most fun political podcasts to listen to. Thanks for staying up late and making sense of this with us. Come back and see us again soon. Anytime. Thanks. Okay, we got to hit a break. We will be right back in a second. Figure Lending LLC dba Figure Equal Opportunity Lender NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply Visit figure.com for more information For licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org Let's go to the phones Victoria in California Thanks so much for your patience
4: Hey John uh thank you for playing the uh pecker song it's one of my You favorite. got it
2: He's pecking all day long
4: Uh yeah Lo well, I think I've Stop, you know, pooping my pants after today. But I do want to say uh, something that came up for me was, okay. so uh, even though they believed it was KLM and and, uh, Antifa, why did Trump say that he knew they weren't there for him? Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Another.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, and by the way, that's my question for Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Green, And that's my question for uh, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram. Everybody who spread this lie that somehow this was Antifa. Well, then how brave was Trump to let them in with guns?
4: Yeah, because they weren't coming for him. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a great point,
4: John. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I hope I start. My, uh, stop pooping my pants soon, so
2: thank you. I deeply hope on behalf of uh, the state of California you can get beyond that as well. Yeah, but thank you for the imagery. I needed that tonight. Thanks a lot. There's a, there's a drought. <laughs> 866. <laughs> wow. 997. Grit. You know what? No, I, I'm going to tell you, we can't get enough detail. You can give us all the details you need. And by the way, you want some good news today? Former Nazi concentration camp guard. Okay? He's 101 years old. He was sentenced to prison for five years in Germany today after being convicted of 3,518 counts of accessory to murder. He denied he was an SS guard at the Sachsenhausen concentration camp near Berlin from 42 to 45. He argued he was working on a farm at the time. But prosecutors used documents about an SS guard with his name, date, and birthplace to bring him to justice after 80 years. They put away a 101-year-old Nazi today. We'll be right back. Dave in Washington State, thanks for your patience on hold. Dave, welcome.
4: Hey, John. Hey, look, I don't want to. I don't want um, to disagree with you because I just want to add to what you're saying. Um, no,
2: prove, convince me I'm wrong, please. I all day I just kept thinking this is electing Ron DeSantis president. That's what this is doing. These are all Republicans. This woman's a Republican talking to Liz Cheney. They, oh my God! This is what this is what they're doing. They're cutting off their Trump tumor. <laughs> so tell yeah, me I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah, Cassidy (laughs) Hutchinson. No, I hear what you're saying. Look, the. uh, I mean, listen. This is a young woman who. This woman chose to work for Steve Scalise, chose to work for Ted Cruz, chose to work for Donald Trump, and all the liberals are talking about how brave she is when all she's doing is making it easier for a Republican who's not Trump to become president.
4: Yeah. Look, as far as Ron DeSantis goes, there's a poison pill there. They've in, they've inserted it. Ron DeSantis is eventually going to have to come clean on what he thinks about, uh, you know, January six. And um,
2: he's kind no of no one's going to care. No one's, no one's going to care. The people who don't care now won't care then. Ron DeSantis has got every Trump voter in his pocket because he's already shown how cruel he will be to marginalized groups. Now he, all, he's already got the primary tied up. You've got to be as evil as possible to clinch the nomination. Then you've got to be the compassionate conservative to try to win the general, right? So, I mean, he's already halfway there.
4: Well, all I can tell you is what they've done to me for years, okay? And and th- this there was a lawyer saying when they were talking about Donald Trump and he, he bilked all these people out of money, um, you know, through donations, right? Mm-hmm. The lawyer said one thing. He said, someone will have to complain. There has to be an injured party. He goes, there may be, but I don't see one. You know, and here's the thing is um, these these Trumpers – and in, in the ideology, it, the, the the best purveyor of ideology is Steve Bannon. They are, um, they can identify liberals. I mean, either right or wrong. They, I mean, uh, you know, they can identify liberals just from sight. I know I was yeah. always targeted. I know years ago, I I had I worked for a very conservative colonel there in Korea. He was having trouble with, this was way before Trump, he was having trouble with all these, uh, eight, Apache helicopter pilots under him He was having trouble with them uh, Not understanding why there's a North and South Korea All they knew was Koreans smell And they are weird And they don't want to be here They would show up to fly the H-64 drunk You know, they had a whole room Dedicated to porn And he asked me to give a briefing Because he said his things are getting out of control And he asked me to give a briefing on why we are there Why the United States is there, right? I said, oh, man, I don't want involved in this. I just recited the facts, okay? He said, I am, he was so grateful, man. He said, I am forever in your debt, blah, blah. I couldn't believe what was going on, right? right? Well, you know, I was identified as just a liberal, and, you know, this went on for years. And sometimes they do, look, I had to constantly be on guard for um, nonsense. They would try to own me. Owned the, own the the Korea guy right? They would try to own me by by giving me these little nonsense uh, things to put out as fact, so they could ridicule me, right?
1: right? And
4: and this is um this is maybe what they're doing with this Cassidy Hutchins. What worries me? What worries me is I see their main target now is Lloyd Austin, and to to,
2: to troll him,
4: to own him, to it's going to be the secretary
2: the secretary of defense.
4: Yes, I see that I I'm, I'm, you know I don't I know you don't have a lot of time so I'll just come right to the point. The point is these are these these people are empowered by ideology. You mentioned Saxon Alton. you know um, Gr- uh, Greenspan was killed there the guy that was the lo- probably the the homosexual lover to von von Rath. Wait, wait, wait.
2: What's the the ideology? I think they're being guided by sheer tribalism. I don't think they have ideology. I think the people who pay the people who give them right-wing news have ideology, but what do they believe? What's their ideology? It's blind obedience to Trump and owning libs. That's all conservatism is now.
4: Well there is there is an element of white Christian nationalism and it is it, that's probably the primary driving Yeah but that's thing, the, that's like the tri-
2: that. that's the tribalism and by the way there's no Jesus in their agenda. I'm I'm waging this lonely campaign yes. about this because the media is not going to talk about it but there is no Christ in their Christian nationalism. Yes, John. They In believe the other day, nothing. Yeah. They believe what they feel like. That's what their conviction is. Me, me, me. I'm on the right side. I have the right God. God likes me, and fuck you. And that's the extent of their. Uh, I mean, of of their worldview, of their of their philosophy, legislatively.
4: Well, and I said a horrible thing the other day. I said that the, the Nazi in Nazi Germany, the predominantly they were predominantly Roman Catholic with some, you know, with some Protestants. But the bottom line is, is I said it's not deviant Christianity. We believe it is. Okay, it is not. The Nazis were not deviant Christians. What they were are normal German Christians in a deviant situation, a deviant environment. That environment. That, that deviant environment that, that a good-hearted American Christians find themselves in, that deviant environment is being created by Trump, Bannon, and, and those minions, man. It, I mean, that's just my main, that's my main premise. But what's, and, the difference um, between German, what,
2: what's the difference between German Christians who hate Jews and American Christians who hate Muslims or who hate undocumented immigrants? I mean, either way, you're not a real Christian. Yeah.
4: Right. But
2: the thing it's is, you know, there's no
4: tribalism. Well, tribalism is a big part of it, and predominantly it's European tribalism, patriarchy, white male tribal chief. Okay. Um, it is, um, I don't know, that's Thane. Uh, in Anglo Saxon history, it was Thane's. You know, they uh, basically, you know, and I brought this up before the Magna Carta, uh, the Magna Carta, this critical race theory is equivalent to the Magna Carta. And people Whoa. say, "How dare you? How dare you?" Well, I do dare because when the Magna Carta came out, there were British uh, lords that that hated it because you know why, right? They they were his, the British lord that was their children that 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 was how, their. Um, what, what is how that dare a, they?
2: But what does that have to do with critical race theory? Because, all right, the Magna I, Carta. I, I, I'm, thing, a, like, I'm a fan like, of wacky premises, but the Magna Carta. And and yes. teaching teaching institutionalized racism woven into a culture over generations. No,
4: no, no. Opposing opposing critical race. If you oppose critical race theory, if you think it's the end of everything and it's it's uh, blah, blah, blah. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. You would have hated the Magna Carta. You would have been. Okay. Uh, and this is where these Trumpers are.
2: the people Most of the people who hate critical race theory couldn't spell Magna Carta.
4: Yeah, but they're always talking about anglo saxon This Anglo-Saxon. I mean, oh, I, I know get you. okay, I get what you're
2: saying. Yes, okay, yeah.
4: No, and, and I, I know it's ridiculous, <laughs> but the bottom line is, uh, you know, you just got to put it in the in the 21st century context, man. They, I'm with they you. Just,
2: they just okay. Okay, I, I got yeah. okay, to yeah. run, Dave, but I thank you very much. You challenged me, and you made my brain open up all new rooms, and I'm terrified of what's in there. But I thank you for showing me.